Hello and welcome to Indie Apocalypse Radio. After taking a couple or a week off, I take I'm taking some weeks off here and there because of busyness in other places, but also because I realize once you take one week off, you're like I could just do this whenever I want, and it's nice to have a whole Saturday off sometimes instead of like working six days a week not that this is strictly speaking work but it also is like a chunk of commitment in my day that i have to do that i can't put off and it happens at a very specific time and it's like i guess it's a pain two o'clock is one of those bad times to schedule things because it's like well i can't really start anything and then it gets later when you anyway 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 this is show i manage this is Indie Apocalypse Radio, your number one home for unmarketable games and the like. It's a nice home, a nice little place for the weirdos. This is this this is the place where the sickles look out the window and go, haha, I'm so glad to be in here. Speaking of <laughs> wait a minute, nope. That's passing un, undue value judgment on my guests. I don't know if they want to have sp- this this person of undetermined sicko status is here, who you may know from issue 20, no longer the newest issue of Indie Apocalypse, but for a long time, a month even, it was the, actually only half a month, I don't remember, listen, time is an ever-flowing river, and I don't know how to swim. Uh, it's Kate Killer. Kate, how are you doing? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. How are you doing? Oh, good. Oh, you made anxiety aware. I forgot to mention that as well. Was that sorry? I was saying you made Anxiety Wear was your game. I ah, also forgot yes. to mention that. Did I? That was my first kind of solo indie project that I managed to release. And and what a release it was! I've I've actually gotten like a um, a WarioWare like here or there as submissions, and I like it's an interesting genre, I suppose. The, what would you call it, the micro-game genre? Yeah, I kind of describe them in the game and in the um, store and stuff as micro-games. It felt like a good uh, a good format to start with as a first project because, I, you know, you can start with just doing a few of them and then you can you don't get too overwhelmed by the scope of it and you'd be like, well, you know, I can keep adding more if I want to, if it goes yeah. well, and if not, I can just call it quits anytime. <laughs> That's yeah. one of the reasons I picked that format. Yeah, very practical for something that's like, well, if I got 10, it's basically done. And then I yeah. just, how many more do I feel like making? Yeah, I think I did end on 10 or 12. So I didn't go too crazy with it. But uh, well, so yeah, it's been forever. <laughs> that requires brand new art for every one of those. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that was the reason I picked that art style as well, which was uh, I can draw it with my mouse so I don't get too distracted trying to make things uh, very polished. No, I, but I, I think it works because I think you need a sort of kind of like a chaotic energy for something yeah. that you're only going to see for five seconds. Yeah, definitely. But now, Kate, it's been so long that I forgot to get to the, the most important question, the number one question, the Indie Apocalypse question, which is how did you hear about Indie Apocalypse? That is a good question. I don't know if I remember because I it was like a few months ago that I started subscribing to it. Um, I think I was just on a general mission to find 
small indie games either through Twitter or it might have been exploring uh, Itch because you know I, it's not something I hadn't looked at Itch that much in the past but when I started trying to make my own games and trying to just get inspiration for things that were such a smaller scale that I could manage I think I just went down some rabbit holes of looking for people doing similar stuff and I think that's across it perfect it's an ideal sometimes it's even on the fresh section when it comes out it's gone now i had yeah. that moment in the sun but i got very excited when i found it <laughs> it's like yes yes this is exactly what i'm talking about and that's that's exactly what i want people to see like yes finally this is the thing that i that i that was my experience doing a convention a week or t- a week two weeks ago last week i just wasn't here because i didn't feel like it <laughs> um whereas like i had plenty of people just like bounce off of it they're like oh that's neat you know that kind of that neat that yeah the means that they don't care that kind of neat yeah it's like i'm glad you're doing that but uh I'm, I'm going to go now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to be rude to you. But then also there were a number, there were people who were like, wow, this is the most important thing I've seen in my life. Yeah. How does it not exist? Or how did I not know it existed? And I think that's, that's, that's the real hallmark of true art. <laughs> that <laughs> a bunch of people don't care. Yeah. <laughs> and then, but to, to some people, it's life changing. Yeah, I think it's good to find, it's like a bit of validation for you're doing something that's not even like popular enough to be indie now because right. now you feel like you're indie. <laughs> you feel like you're, it's almost like indie's a little bit too mainstream. And I want to be yeah. even more indie than indie. So that's where Indie Apocalypse felt like the right yeah. thing. Apocalypse, I like, to, I like to roll around the muck of it all, you know? <laughs> That's why I've been trying to use the term DIY a lot more to try and make a new yeah. phrase around it to kind of differentiate it from indies in terms of like, hey, this is a person making a thing, not like a studio with a publisher with thousands, if not millions of dollars, but they are yeah. technically Activision. So yeah, <laughs> they are indies. And it's a... It's just indie. You're, you're. I mean, you're right. Indie's just kind of an empty marketing term at this point. Yeah, definitely feels like there's like a a cool crowd of indies, and we're as you said, it's like we're the weirdo people on the side. <laughs> right. Yeah. The you're the the local punk scene. <laughs> yeah, that's what my my friend described my games as when was like, I didn't get into some of the other things I submitted to. I was like, yes, it's because I'm like the punk version. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's kind of like, I mean, the, I think, I hopefully I'll get into it, but the best venue I've ever gone to is a punk flea market and like in terms of people being receptive. And they, I only had like one issue, the very first one when I first did it, and then COVID hit. So I'm hoping yeah. I'll get in again because then I'll have 21 issues. 22 technically issues and i think like those are the people who are like more interested in this sort of thing not the gamers yeah 
And it's like the, the trickiness is how do you reach the people who are not the gamers? The people yeah, who... I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe it's more like market of people who are into other types of alternative things in general, like more alternative music or alternative zines in general, not like specifically looking for games. Yeah. Yeah, because I think even within like game culture, they're looking for like a very specific thing of what like they're still indie games are still like six hours long, but they have like flat shading or something. <laughs> yeah, I think um, there's as I think I've seen you posting about like there's just some high expectations indie yeah. games. It's like that's moved up a tier, and now we're coming in a lower tier where things can be a bit lo-fi and. You know, like I said this for such a long time, and I for a long time, I was kind of too overwhelmed by the prospect of trying to make a game on my own. Yeah. Well, games are really hard to make, right? And the number of different skills, like technical skills and creative skills you've got to put into them. Like, when I was starting out my career, it took me years to get up the courage to try and make my own game again. But I can't possibly do all of those things, you know, in the time I have alongside my day job. Yeah. Um, and, you know, if I can't make something that's going to be good and innovative and marketable, then you know, it's just like it's so disheartening. So I think right. that's where I started to discover these kind of games that you feature where you think, oh, OK, I can actually make something that, that is quite janky. It's a bit broken. There's basically no art in it, but it's still really interesting to play. And like you can still see how much value right. is in that as like a creative piece of work that, yeah, I think that's the point you've got to like you can't do that and find a kind of typical indie game market for it it's like there's got to be a different market there for that yeah you can't put half of that stuff out on like steam and it's like yeah it's it's like so like some of my favorite indie apocalypse games are like under an hour yeah yeah and it's like well how do you some of them are probably like 10 minutes long which is like a one-way ticket to refund city on steam <laughs> yeah but i think there it's still like there's valuable art in that yeah and it's like there's just not like the the, the mindset to, to for people to like support it there's not that like people it's not in people's brains that it's like ah well Especially, you know, the movement to like so many games being free. Yeah, yeah, that was a tricky thing. Like with putting anxiety where it's such a experience. I mean, it's got like a bit of replayability, but really, I was aiming to play it for. Then you know, that's that's like successful for me. Um, but I kind of didn't want to put it out for free because I don't want to contribute to this right. thing where all games are free all the time now. Um, but at the same time, with the length that it is and the kind of nature of the game, I don't yeah. feel like I can charge for it. And especially on mobile, which is like even yeah. worse about games being <laughs> charging money, you know? Yeah. Funnily enough, I did get a comment the other day um, on one of the reviews saying that uh, they the player was like, oh, maybe you can add ads into it so that you can continue if you lose your life which I thought was really interesting because I see so many reviews complaining about ads yeah. in games. I don't think I've seen one that complained about the lack of 
ads in games before. That is <laughs> but again, very... like, just People have these certain expectations on mobile games now that, right. it, yeah, if you die, you should be able to watch an ad and continue. It's right. not even like a question now. <laughs> it's like, but I was trying to just make it free. Yeah, because they're like... <laughs> The idea that they're not even like technically games, they're sort of just like progress machines. Yeah. Not that, I mean, I'm not like, I'm not anti free to play in some ways because yeah. I've got a lot of free to play stuff in my day job. And like, I get a lot of value out of playing some free to play games, but there's definitely like a, a lot of that market that's gone into pure optimization, monetization. And, um, yeah, that's, that's not not that much fun to work on anymore. No, no, especially because it, it, I think it requ that requires you to work on like such a scale that you expect like a certain audience so you can expect a certain return. When yeah. It's like, if you just put your game out, you may on like for a price of even like a couple of bucks, you might get more money than your entire free to play because you have to build out your free to play marketplace. You have to build it out. Yeah all your stuff and it's that's a lot of work yeah. yeah it's difficult with mobile now to be honest because i think for like a few years ago i i felt like mobile was a good place to try and make indie games because there was lower expectations of like contents you know how like the, the production values and stuff maybe i'm yeah. saying let's go like maybe five or ten years ago when you know mobile now oh, when maybe. i see talking about doing mobile indie games i'm like you're crazy there's no way to break into mobile if you're a like indie or solo developer now it's like if you haven't got spend you're not going to be able to make a free to play or a hyper casual game successful you're going to pump all that money into acquisition so i don't know mobiles yeah i, I feel like it's not the best space to be in now if Right, or it's like if you're doing mobile, at least make sure it's on Android so you can just like put an APK out on itch or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that way you're at least also putting it out through, I don't know, the, the traditional market, or I guess whatever itch is. Yeah, <laughs> Which is I? like a whole other, whole other thing because, yeah, there's games coming out constantly constantly on itch but it doesn't have like the um like the same the same kind of like like the tricky thing is like a lot of the coverage isn't there i think mm -mm, yeah especially as i'm sure i've said it before and it's unfair comparison but if you compare like itch to Bandcamp in terms of like just coverage mm. like you have like probably like bare minimum like one article a day on Bandcamp if if not more than one article like so it's like it's easy for you for someone to get into it all because yeah like a, a real guiding path yeah it should feel a bit like you just go on there and dive down some random rabbit holes and see where you end up which can be a good ending or not but it's not like that easy to discover the the kind of content you want necessarily right so so weird to see people still do like the the not dot ninety nine cents on itch as well. Yeah, it's such a weird it's such a weird thing in general. Like why? I, I especially because like as soon as you leave U.S. dollars, it doesn't it completely converts differently. <laughs> 
do you do you do the similar thing in England where everything ends in like it's nineteen ninety nine pounds instead of twenty? Yeah, <laughs> I it's just like general psychology, isn't it? I think it's probably yeah. universal. And it's just like oh, I didn't know if everyone would just like base it around like the dollar, and then it's just kind of whatever it translates to into other countries is what it becomes. Yeah, I don't don't know how that works. Yeah, on like digital paper, but I think it usually still gets converted and then turned into a nice dot forty nine or dot ninety nine. Ah, uh, yes, my brain loves to see the nine because I'm like I'm saving a penny. <laughs> that one's not a two, and a one is a smaller than a two. Therefore, I'm really getting it over on these devs. <laughs> getting a real bargain but also like people bar like everything goes they discount their stuff so intensely all the time yeah which is a whole other whole other issue but uh, I, I i don't know i don't know it's uh so as as a as now that i've got someone who actually presumably also plays indie apocalypse games which is something I, I get very rarely on this show and perhaps in general do you have a favorite among them if you've oh that's a good question i'm a bit i'm a little bit behind at the moment <laughs> so someone who subscribed has a podcast subscription and like 40 back episodes to said podcast <laughs> I understand um yeah i didn't i we i mean they were they were weird <laughs> which i like yeah. Uh, so I really appreciate how short they are because I'm definitely one of those like don't have that much time to play games, so yeah. I do like the, the shortness of the experiences. Um, uh, but I can't, I can't remember what it was called. There was one where you're they're like waiting for the launch Jubilee Day. Was it our Jubilee? Yes, our Jubilee. I enjoyed that because that was one of the ones where I was like, that almost like there's so little to it, but it's just got a kind of slightly weird atmosphere to it I, and that's something i i've started to think about a lot more in the type of games that i want to um because you know when i started out doing game design it was so much about mechanics yeah and it's kind of taken me a while to appreciate like not doing things that are purely about mechanic and i realized yeah the thing that i'm quite interested in is just kind of atmosphere of places and like there's yeah, the kind of story that happens through the atmosphere, which is kind of what I got from that experience. Yeah, because they can. Yeah, that's. I think there's like a there's, there is a, like a really strong emphasis on like the loop, you know. Yeah. And the mechanics of everything, and it's like, well, it's got to be fun. What's the fun factor? And yeah. But like, what's the fun factor of your average bitsy game? You know. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's like, it's just something like this little morsel, yeah. <laughs> like a little taster of something. And even I think with literally just a single moment in time almost, but that's kind of enough for it to still feel like you've come and you've seen something captured and you kind of, yeah, can take something away from that, even though it's such a little experience. Yeah, like that's part of this is hoping is like teaches people. Oh wait, no, my games can be literally anything I want them to be. Yeah, I don't need to see like. Uh, there was I saw a tweet that was something to the effect of like indie game development is seeing a game that came out that sounds like yours and rushing to finish yours or something to that effect. And it, sometimes it feels like 
it's the inverse where it's like seeing a game that becomes popular and rushing to make your version of it sometimes feel like is what yeah. game design is like what, what flavor of roguelike is popular this month i need to make my racing roguelike yeah yeah, yeah. i think there's um there's always like a lot of things that spin out of one thing like whenever you see a mega successful indie game like you guarantee there's going to be a games from it yeah yeah it's like well i i've got a even if it's just like people who are like inspired by that idea where they're like oh this really awakened something in me i want to make something like this but also it's very natural that well you want to make something like it because it's very popular yeah (laughs) and it wouldn't hurt you to also be popular yeah yeah that doesn't hurt (laughs) So it's, yeah, I, but it's, it's a trap because then you end up, you get caught in that three year cycle at the end of the three years. It's not popular anymore. Yeah, that is true. It's hard to know. Like, I don't know if I have a good feel right now for what is kind of the current or upcoming trends in successful indie games. Do you, yeah. I mean, do you have some idea about that? What do you think is the, I, th- I think, I think the hotness right now is probably one of them is certainly that that flat shaded wholesomeness thing. Yeah, it's yeah. Like, Kate, do you have a game inside of you that's like a like a raccoon who picks up nuts or something? Yeah. And trades them to other raccoons. Uh, yeah. I mean, to be fair, I've got to say I'm quite sucked into the games trend. Yeah. <laughs> Both the player and the developer, because I like I think that's to me it's almost like the product of games. Um, kind of finally realizing well, you know that there there is another audience yeah. and a lot of audience is quite female skewing and it's like those gamers have always been there it's just only now people realize right only now yeah. you're acknowledging yeah. that it's like oh they are real games you know yeah like oh it's, you know a lot of people actually quite like just to relax while they play games and not uh you know always be playing something that's like really in-depth strategy thinking or action like who knew (laughs) but i think actually the last couple years have been quite stressful so kind of like brought that out even more yeah people want to relax as someone who lives in the stress and craves more of it every moment (laughs) i yeah but also you know i i don't know if people have heard the sims is quite popular and it's very, very low impact unless i guess you like have a full house or something but yeah no in general it's it can be quite chill the thing i i find with some of these games in that genre though it's like know for me where the line between enjoyable grind because they usually are a bit grindy right like you're going around maybe doing your chores like tidying things up or watering your plants or whatever which i kind of enjoy but at some point they always seem to cross a line into oh no this does actually just feel like i'm like doing chores now <laughs> this yeah. is too too much like my life <laughs> you realize the the game loop shows itself you're like oh instead of clicking on monsters and making them die and picking up swords i am clicking on trees and making apples fall out and collecting apples but yeah meanwhile like completely neglecting my actual house plants in my house yeah and <laughs> they just it's like a that the um the cutification of the the game loop as we know it yeah 
but like it works. People, that dog account is has their five hundred thousand followers or whatever. So. Yeah, I mean, I can't have any pets, so I do, you know, have to have an outlet for it, which I have to say is is through cute animal related games and or cute TikTok videos. <laughs> yeah, I I have I have the inverse. I have ha- ha- too many pets at any given time. That's a good problem to have. <laughs> they just constantly find their way to our house. <laughs> just like more cats as as like as they dwindle in number, more arise like they know there's vacancies. <laughs> oh, that's amazing. I would love to get a cat to be fair. <laughs> they're they're very relaxed for the most part. They're very low. It's like a kind of sloppy roommate. Yeah. Who doesn't know how to clean up after them. Doesn't make that much of a mess, but the little messes they do, like like a roommate that, you know, is more or less tidy, but never does the dishes, you know? <laughs> but yeah, it's it's nice. Find, get yourself, I recommend, highly recommend everyone, get out of the cities where you can. If you, yeah. If you, if you can live in a life where you're not around people, I, which I can do pretty easily, <laughs> you can be in nature and like hang on and be like, oh, there's turkeys here all over the place. Just kind of hanging around our yard. <laughs> and they like, it's weird to see animals slowly like acclimate to you and slowly like, you're like, oh, this is how domestication works in, in the grand scale. But I'm not into. I have no patience for domesticating animals. Although I think I live near someone who like domesticated geese. Hmm. I had like pet geese. Oh, I don't know geese. Mm, I'm not, not really down with geese. <laughs> not not like the rude geese. I don't think like those real real attitude ones. I've never met like a friendly goose. They yeah. are always pretty mean in my experience maybe they were ducks then i never like i only drove past it but i yeah i think maybe geese are notoriously aggressive especially those um canadian geese i think is i don't know if that's a colloquial term or not (laughs) but the the darker ones yeah but i saw i saw like it's a weird thing to to think about, but I saw like as as we fully diverge from games at this point. Yeah, I was wondering should we should we pull back to games? No, no. This is I mean we spent more time on games than I ever do. <laughs> I was driving down the highway. And I saw an animal control person bagging up a goose on the side of the road, like obviously a goose that was struck by yeah. a car, and I feel like I saw something that I shouldn't have seen. Like I saw behind the curtain for a moment. <laughs> Because I'm used, I'm used to like, you know, America is a nation of cars, and you and an ever creeping urbanization. So you're used to seeing dead animals on the road, but they just vanish. Like you go out to work and there's a squirrel, but when you come back, he's just gone. And I I never see what happens to it. No, that's true. Well, I think here I've definitely seen some hang around for a while. Yeah, but also we have a healthy corvid population, so I'm sure they take care of some of them. Yeah. But anyhow, anyhow, 
Okay, what's your opinion on Corvids? <laughs> just generally? Just yeah. Do you have do you have a, a particular species you're fond of within the Corvid family? Uh, I I'm I'm not like really well well researched on Corvid family. They're, they're um, like, you know, crows and ravens and. Uh, Magpies, blue jays, I believe. Okay. The different jay families. Mm-hmm. They got that kind of that vibe to them. I yeah. Like I mean, they're like a little bit creepy, but they're quite intelligent, aren't they? I think yeah. crows. I think at least crows and ravens are, but I imagine it probably extends to some part throughout the whole family. Yeah. The kind that keep... Which I forget if it's crows or ravens that can hold grudges. But I like you'd have a bird that can hold a grudge. Yeah, I did have to shoo a crow out of my house once that my, my parents' cat had brought in. I think I came down in the I came downstairs and yeah. it was just kind of eye level with me, sat on my <laughs> sofa, like the, on the back of the sofa, and I was just <laughs> like, I'm going to get a cup of tea and yeah. then I will deal with you. Because <laughs> they are but... not small birds typically either. No, it was there was a lot of like slapstick me chasing it around that would land on something else, trying to like not break all the vases on the shelf and whatnot. But I think I did get it out in the end, but not without some collateral damage. Right? Yeah. No. Th- listen, it does not want to be there as much as you don't want it to be there. <laughs> so it's not. But it's not going to go without a fight. Yeah. I mean, I assume my cat brought it in, but that would be quite impressive. It just felt. Yeah. It's just like it's. it's... A truly harrowing experience of like bringing in something from your car that is that you're like oh i could carry all this all in but then as you get halfway there clearly you could not have carried it all in yeah <laughs> so imagine your cat had the same experience you're just like hurriedly running to the door because if at least if it all collapses it'll collapse within your house <laughs> so it brought it in as a gift but it had no plan what to do with it once it had it yeah i, I would not be surprised i I think it left a mole in my house one. Those are just like, those are, they're like good gifts, I suppose. They're just trying to, they prove their worth with to you. Yeah. I, they're quite, they're surprisingly fast as well. It was still alive and it was running around, running around my kitchen. <laughs> <laughs> I've never had that experience of, the you know, a living creature being returned. Yeah, no, they, they, isn't it? I have definitely heard that cats bring you something live when they think that you need help learning how to hunt. Oh, okay. They think you're you're a useless kitten and you need to be taught. So they bring practice. And did you, did you prove your skill to them? I mean, I managed to get it out of the house. Uh, So that was probably deemed a failure. Yeah, that's that's the they're looking looking at you with this, this animalistic disappointment of that's not what you're supposed to be doing with it. They don't yeah. understand this idea of. Anything that probably makes them bring more animals. Yeah. To try again, so you just what you need to do is you need to pick them up and coddle them and make them realize that they're they're the small infants in the house, <laughs> and you are the strong adult, the carrier of wealth and food. Or I just need to swallow my pride and eat a mouse in front of them, and then maybe they'll stop. <laughs> Perhaps, yeah, maybe you know, like you need to really get down and catch it. Like, wow, all those techniques. I wish I had hands. <laughs> the world, the, the wonders of what one could do with hands. 
I spend too much time. Terrifying if cats had hands, though. Imagine the carnage. Yes, I, I think of that all the time when I see squirrels, and I'm like, it's good that more animals don't have hands, because <laughs> those little guys can do whatever they want. They're they're real, real feisty little guys who can kind of do whatever they want, and nothing can stop them. And just the wonder of what a creature, what hand, how much hands change everything. Yeah, like imagine if alligators had hands, like proper hands. Yes, imagine. <laughs> what a terrifying! They could just, yeah, you would never escape an alligator because they'd grab you and then grab you with their hands. Oh, that's quite terrifying. I'm glad I don't have any near me. <laughs> but uh, anyhow, anyhow, English. <laughs> Got really, really. Let me let me check now that we've reached kind of like our halfway point, perhaps. Um. So, so, okay. Tell me about video games. What do you think about them? Oh, they were right some of the time, I guess. Have you? What's your? Okay. So there's this Mario guy I've heard of. I've been hearing cool. about. <laughs> what's your opinion on this Mario fellow? Good, good question. I, I think he was better in the old days. Okay. Not to maybe it just makes me sound old. I never got into like. There was a point where all Nintendo games and like especially Mario games just got really sparkly. You know, yeah. like Mario Galaxy. Everything was suddenly really shiny and kind of. I feel like Zelda started going that way a little bit. So I skipped. I skipped Skyward Sword because. I feel like there was just a lot of shininess in it, and I, I couldn't really... Yeah. It's a little bit of a sheen to it, a little bit of a, a, a plasticity to the man. Yeah, I think that that must have just been a kind of general Nintendo... Yeah, it's like... It's, it's Nintendo, really, it's, I mean, it's Nintendo's version of the flat shading, but you're a large company, so you can have more colors, but it's the same kind of, yeah. like, cleanliness aesthetic... Yeah, and I feel like Pokemon kind of went the same way. Like I was, I was like an embarrassingly big Pokemon fan when I was about when it kind of came out, and then I've not not been able to get into the last few years. You know, it had such a resurgence among yeah. my group when Pokemon Go came out, um, and then I like I got a Switch because I, you know I do enjoy the kind of more casual nature of the Switch. Um, tried to play some newer Pokemon, but. It's like the the way the Pokemon designs have evolved, everything, and everything is now shiny. Right, and then there are specifically capital S shiny ones on top of it all. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I did sell my Pokemon card. Um, probably not for as much as I should have. I I thought about doing that. I like I collected them all. I put them as like I organized them by the ones that are the more expensive ones. And the ones that are the less expensive ones, but I was like, then I have to sell all these. <laughs> Can't I just? Yeah, sell I just sold mine in a big batch because yeah. I couldn't be bothered to like haggle over individual. Pro- I did yeah. put them all in a spreadsheet initially, but then and like try and figure out which ones are valuable. The thing is, I'm not the kind. I was never the kind. Right. Yeah, I lost you there for a second. Oh, I was just sorry saying that I I never kept it. Oh yeah, yeah. Because you're um, a kid. You're a kid. So, yeah, 
I'm sure some of them I could have sold for more, but I didn't want to go through that hassle of like trying to evaluate the condition myself and then, you know, sold it as good and it's only fair. Right. <laughs> I just put them one big batch and sold them for like pounds. That, you know, that's better than sitting around in a room in a closet collecting yeah. dust. Yeah, exactly. Time to get rid of some old things. I have not managed to get rid of my old my Sorry. boyfriend that I'm gonna... Your old what now? Uh my old consoles. Oh yeah. No, I've um, I've thought about that. I've I've priced them all or I not even priced them all up, but I added them all to price charting one time. Just just to see, get a scope of the value. And didn't realize how much they had like appreciated in value <laughs> since I originally bought them. What what consoles do you have? Um pretty much all, I what did I I kind of stopped buying them around the PS3 Xbox 360, mm. and then I kind of like checked out of the console game. I was like, ah, I'll get games on PC if I want them. And then yeah. I bought all these old. I as a youth, I spent a lot of times buying you know old games on for old consoles, and mm -hmm. I was like, oh, if I have all this stuff. I can, I don't know, play them. And I was like, that's cool. Isn't it neat to have all these different games? And then I kind of, I've been tr like actually trying to get back into actually playing all these games that I bought forever ago, <laughs> not strictly like playing them on original hardware because I'm lazy and I don't want to like dig it all out. Yeah. And my TV, I learned, doesn't even have component. I had to, like, buy an adapter to even do my weird RPG project. I was like, yeah, I dug up my, I got my PS2 ready. I, I'm like, here we go. I'm going to finally start this thing. And then I was like, oh, I don't have a um... Yeah. Yeah. I, I think about five years ago, I did have all my old consoles set up, but... I've got no idea now if I've got any of the adapters. Yeah, and really, listen, if you have a, a halfway decent PC, they'll just like... Oh, it's not the same for me. I'm not... I can't play things on emulators. I've always been a console gamer. I've never really... I just don't want to sit at my desk. Like, right. I've, you know, if I've spent all day working at this desk and it gets to the evening, the last thing I do on my computer's... Well, I say that. Now I'm doing like my own indie project. So I do right. sit at my computer more, but um, in general, I always felt like I wanted to get away from my desk for gaming. Yeah. Yeah. Here's a, here's a real secret for you, Kate is um, you put a TV in the same room and then you just, you get an HDMI switcher. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I, as long as I can connect a, yeah, a game pad, you know, console style controller in some way. But I've, yeah, I've, I've been trying to, like, well, maybe there's interesting design in some of these old things. Maybe mm -hmm. there's something I want to try. Maybe there's, like, a, something. Because, you know, games are bad, I think, at, like, archival work, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and recognizing their history or, like, what does it the, the you know the term earthbound it gets thrown around a lot but what is earthbound you know 
Mm. What does it mean? Does it mean anything at this point? Or is it like a weird, like, buzzword that people use to mean, like, RPG with good writing in it? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I'm... There's a lot of games I haven't played, and then when they get referenced as this kind of genre-defining game, I'm like, mm, don't really know what that means, but then maybe people don't really agree what it means. Right, or or people don't even know what that means, and it's become just like a, a buzzword. Yeah. Kind of like, you know, I've like, as someone who is really... Behind, has never played Yume Nikki before, despite playing a lot of games inspired by and including probably multiple games in this very zine that are inspired by Yume Nikki. And being like, well, it's super influential and I've meant to play it, but sometimes you just don't get around to it, you know? Yeah. What is okay? So, I've I I got to thinking of something. This is what I was thinking about this whole time, and like I knew I had I had a had a lot. So I recently watched a um I went out to a theater to see a special screening of the Phantom of the Paradise. If you're familiar, mm, don't know that one. It's a um it's a like a nineteen what was it like late like 73 Brian De Palma movie it's like a it's like a rock opera okay it's a real wild movie I'm a big fan of it um but the person who introed it she was saying talking about like I'm sure plenty of you people here have seen this movie had this movie shown to you and the idea of like a movie that is shown to you you know Mm. like that kind of art where it's like Sometimes you find your own, but it's something like, oh, no, you need to see this. And it's like it's passed around by that kind of word of mouth of you need to try this. You need to experience this. Is there is there a thing? Do you have anything like that for you where it's like, hey, if somebody is looking for something or it's like if somebody lets their guard down at the wrong time, you're going to turn on this movie. <laughs> what game games wise? Games wise or movie wise or just life wise, any kind of like art that is like the kind of thing where it's like feels singular and that you that you need to share with people. Hmm. Things that I'm willing to admit to on the podcast. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's the tricky thing of your taste. The parts of your taste you're willing to admit to publicly. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't know. I mean, like, I was a bit, I'm, I'm always, like, quite bad at remembering things, uh, you know, like, things I've played or watched quite recently. Yeah. For me, the last thing I played that I was just, people should know about this, but it was, but, like, I was the last person to know about it, was Undertale. Oh, yeah, that's... Exactly everyone, I was, like, a good, I don't actually know when it first came out, but I'm pretty sure I was years behind, and I had a friend who had recommended it to me so much and I had just totally ignored. And then I think I played it because it was on a sale. Oh, this is good. People yeah. should know about it. People do know about this game, but they should. <laughs> it's it's a very... I, I, it's, I think people have heard a fair or two about Undertale. Um, 
I I'm actually yes. It's it's one of those weird things because when it came out, I played it fairly close to launch, and I was like, actually, I truly love this through and through. And it's yeah. like, like it shot up to like, wow, this is amazing, and like instant favorite kind of thing. But then yeah. it had this. There's that weird like kind of like second wave of like, wow, a lot of people like this are real obnoxious <laughs> about liking it. <laughs> I kind of like it less. But then I'm like, no, yeah. I, I do still like it. Yeah, I, I only played it about, I uh, played about six months ago. I don't know when it first Quite a while, because, like, I think six months ago, like, that first Delta Rune episode was already yeah. out. But it's very cool. Uh, 2015, apparently. Wow, yeah, okay, I was super. Yeah, yeah, it's, and it's like, I mean, to speak of Earthbound, I think that's one of those few sort of things that is kind of like, I think actually kind of gets the vibe sort of of I don't know what is interesting about Earthbound mm. which is like I don't know this kind of I don't know how to describe Earth Mother 2 as it were in the US is Earthbound it's just kind of like it's its own thing <laughs> which is, I guess is the, how how do you be like it's its own thing, which I think is how you be like it is you be your own thing. That's yeah. The th that's the takeaway. Yeah, I think for me, like with Undertale, the thing that I enjoy is just so much as like things that just really surprise you. You know, it yeah. just like be one thing, and then um, just it's that unexpectedness that. Yeah, you can't copy that because obviously then people will expect um, but finding your own way be a little bit subversive, that's the kind of thing that like I would love to, to try and explore. Right. Um, so it's, it's like... yeah, you really need like a, a moment of inspiration, I think. Kind of put, I, it's like you're, you're not necessarily bringing new ideas, weird combination or the way that you put things together and kind of make connections yeah. of existence ideas but uh yeah it's not like you can't really force that kind of creativity no no like you can't create it on a spreadsheet you know it's kind of like i think it's that kind of art that springs from a person you know that's like it's trickier when you like take the, i think the typical game development approach of like kind of breaking everything down and kind of to its parts and analyzing it over analyzing and over analyzing it and then it's like that's how you lose and that's how it comes off as kind of like static and boring yeah and i think that is where those like the small experiences you know that that you feature yeah like they're so much more personal that's something that i think really i've only come to kind of see as a like an option of making games that are just yeah, team, and you need a sprint plan, and you need, you know, milestones. But if you keep it that small, you can just make something that's really just yours. And I think that's what I find so interesting about all of those types of games. It's like I'm really looking into someone's brain. <laughs> that's what I wanted to do with anxiety. Where kind of literally, I'm like, these are my dreams. This is my brain. This is what my doodles are like. Yeah, you know, it's quite daunting to do <laughs> because you're like putting a lot of yourself just kind of into it, not even hiding it in my case, 
yeah, but, it, it, yeah. but it, it, I think it shows because I think you've there are there are no there's no shortage of kind of just like utterly forgettable micro game collections on the internet, you know, that kind of don't have any of their own identity. They're just sort of like, I think a lot about, I have this idea or that exists in my head of what I call the global game jam game, mm. which is a game that has like a, a mildly novel concept. You like the kind of thing you would look at and go, huh, that's kind of funny, I guess. And then, like, it's wrapped around, like, a very, very, very acceptable, av- acceptably average game. And I think that's, like, a, like a, I think that's the kind of game you see a lot of, where it's, mm-hmm. like, it never, because it happens, I think, in Global Game Jam, because, you know, you're working under 48 hours with a team of people you may not know. So this is this broad connective tissue, and then an average thing to kind of like wrap it all up. Yeah. It's kind of like appeal to like, it's, you know, microcosm and it's designed by committee and microcosm. Yeah. (laughs) And then you get that like writ large and I see games that kind of give me that vibe. And I'm like, uh, well, I, I still technically, I gotta, gotta be cool. I gotta, I wish she. I wish this was more popular, so I could more openly just say, "I dislike games," <laughs> because there's plenty that I that I dislike or just like rub me the wrong way or just like this is boring. Yeah. It's like I mean, I I literally I don't play any triple games because yeah, no, oh, even, within, <laughs> even within the indie space, there's a lot of stuff that I'm just like, why even make this. There's like sometimes I will when I'm when I'm judging a game like the worst if I was to give feedback the worst feedback you could get from me is like why would you make this like <laughs> I I don't see why somebody wanted to make this like I don't I don't understand it it just like it doesn't feel like anyone needed to make this why did you make it like the you know what I mean yeah 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 it felt like you were just like making a game and going through like the check marks of making a game. Yeah. Now I'm getting quite paranoid about the next game I make and whether it's going to fall into this trap. (laughs) I think I, well, I think you have to like, that's the tricky thing is like getting caught. I mean, I started in apocalypse because I was always falling into that trap over and over again. And then I would catch myself and I would notice, Hey, I'm six feet below the ground and I fell underneath. I, I thought I stepped on leaves earlier, but it turned out it was a big hole <laughs> and I'm trapped down here. trying to make something that will please this imagined audience. And I'm like, this sucks. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I did very consciously when I, when I was starting sort of before anxiety where like made a list of things that I was going to make sure I don't care falling into the exact traps and it was like marketability uh being quote unquote original um you know worrying about yeah like the the quality basically right because the lot you know as i said the last 10 years i'd got so caught up worrying about it anything oh it sell or it won't be appreciated you know it won't be popular or whatever um, I was like, why am I worrying so much? Yeah, I I think there's like, 
if you like i think it's there's there's more um value in connecting deeply with a fewer number of with like a smaller number of people mm-hmm. than kind of like because you to get if you get that surface level event like investment you have to get like a lot of people to care about it yeah. on that very shallow level but like also to be i mean if you worry when you worry about things like marketability there's always going to be people with like way more money and resources than you that can do those things a lot better than you can yeah that's the secret of like all indie game hacks is like <laughs> Whatever trick there is, a, a studio with a PR person can do that trick better than you can. Yeah. So it's like, you know, I'm sure Wishlist will... I'm wondering where it's going to come after Steam Wishlist after you realize, oh, unless I'm coming out when no other games are coming out, this other company, even these other indies that have like PR people and marketing budgets, they're going to get... Because it's not like a... It's all a big old... It's not like, like, well, if you get your wish list, you get it's like, it's, it's like, a, what's the word I'm looking for? It's like, it's a comparative thing still. You have to have comparatively more. Yeah. And it's just another thing for you to focus on. That's not making the thing. And it's hard for a person to do that. So I'm like, Hey, give me your thing and I'll give you 20 us dollars for it. <laughs> I mean, you know, with, like you're saying, with those type of small experiences, that's that's like a good outcome. Twenty dollars more than I would have made on the on the app store. Yeah, with anxiety. A, a terrifying number of people have told me that's the most money they've ever made from games. Yeah, well, t- I mean, it technically is for me in terms of my solo projects. It's right. my first one. <laughs> <laughs> It's something. It's like, hey, someone can buy and they can order out for a night. I mean, something small, of course. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I enjoyed doing my page for Indiepocalypse as well. But... Yeah, I love that. Well, I, love I encourage people to do their own because I feel like they know what they want to make more than I know what they yeah. want to make, you know? It's like, I couldn't write this on the App Store description, yeah. so I'm glad I can write it here. <laughs> Yeah, this is I Indie Pockets is the Wild West, which is you uh, see the American frontier. I realize <laughs> I wonder sometimes as I say things, I'm like, wait a minute, how much of these, like how 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 wild is American pop culture that is just like what is assumed across the entire world and what is just something that I take for granted. You know? Yeah. Okay, are you familiar with the Wild West? Yeah, and cow- I think in the UK you can pretty much guarantee we've imported ninety nine percent of the culture. Ah, uh, perfect. America's number one export are dumb bullshit, <laughs> but or like in in its broadest terms, which is like anyway, it's something I also think about a lot, and why I wanted to make like a bunch of bonus issues about each state, about each state, because it's like. You know, everything, there's, there's, a, there's a culture everywhere and everything. I mean, I'm sure even in like a much smaller country like England, there's like, a, I'm sure there are like a, a huge pocket of regional differences, you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That even people in like the opposite, like an hour away 
take for granted that those people an hour away do not know about. <laughs> I'm only just learning about Tesco. <laughs> and these different, like, gas shops. I'm trying to th- think of a a, a name. I, I was like, as I was going to refer to them, I, I was thinking about them. I was like, do they have, a like, a universal names? Like, are these gas stations slash convenience stores? Are they people just call them convenience stores? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, convenience stores definitely would not be brilliant. Yeah, so that's how I stumbled upon the term gas store, you know? Yeah. Or or like gas adjacent shop or it's a fuel hangout. Gas buddy. I think we would just call them like the service station, maybe. It's usually like a bigger... Right. Bigger complex. That, that that kind of like that that weird place where you can buy a lot of stuff for maybe too much money, but it has like <laughs> poor lighting and just a bunch of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> the remnants of general stores. I guess they're general stores, maybe. Yeah, we don't really have general stores either. No, nobody does. <laughs> they all got <laughs> specialized. It's not a place you can go to to get both your all your medication and pillows and a change of clothes and your rope or whatever you need. <laughs> but who knows? Anyhow, anyhow, we're like, we're actually cresting. We're approaching an hour here, Kate, which is kind of like what I like to do for the solo sessions. That's about how long, give or take a, I, I tend to do like 30 minute segments, but so it's like, if, it, if it's just me and one person, which is, it's not kind of nice every now and then just to have like one person to hang out with, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could definitely carry on rambling pretty much indefinitely, but probably yeah. should get some dinner at some point. <laughs> yes. I, I've, I've recently, I've the fabled British style cod fish and chips that I, I've spoken about on this show before. I'm a fan of them. It's a decent, simple meal for after after I talk and I just want to eat something. And I'm like, yeah, they're inexpensive. I like that I don't have to also put chips or like make chips along with the fish. I like that it's just in one box together and I cook them together. But anyway, yeah. Uh, I don't have any, um, Kate, glad to have you here on the show on Indiepocalypse Radio. We will not be here next week because next week I am going to be in the place where it's always sunny, as we know, in Philadelphia. Mm. I'm going to pay my trolls toll and get in there (laughs) and sell some games, hopefully. Maybe meet some people that I've met before. I don't know if I know anyone in Pennsylvania in the Philadelphia area. But I'm going to be there, which means I won't be here. Nor will I be at EGX, but I will be there in spirit. In that Indiepocalypse Cross Koosh will be at EGX as part of EGX Left Field. Um, One of the contributors whose name I'm going to realize that I don't remember how to say because it's like I have friends that have names that are large collections of letters and as you know them for a long time you eventually realize oh 
if you just look at the large collection of letters long enough, it's actually very easy to say. But if you say them, but if you never say them out loud, it's very complicated, and you, it's hard to recollect. It's Javidas uh, Pakarli, Pakarlis. Anyhow, he might be there. One or two Bye. days. Drop by and try and say hi. Yes, there's a go. Go there. Draw. I think they they're supposedly have going to have like little whiteboards or something that you can draw on. Hmm. There. Um. The the four Koosh games will be there, everyone. So go out and play them. I. One one year maybe I will go to EGX. Who knows? Buy Indie Apocalypse so I can have more money to travel to another country that's not Canada. <laughs> which is very close to me, relatively speaking. Well, Toronto, that is. If I was Vancouver, is like a whole other story because that's like, I think, on the other side of the country, on the country, near Seattle, I think. Even San Francisco. I like it. When you were mentioning GDC, it was GDC, right? Yeah, it was the, my, my only visit to the U.S. Yeah, I, I've thought about GDC. I'm like... Actually, does GDC like benefit me at all other than like meeting people and making them personally invested in me as a person <laughs> so mm-hmm. they promote my work? But like in terms of business, I'm like, does GDC benefit me at all? Because I'm not like, it's like an industry trade show and I am not in the industry. Yeah, I, yeah, I don't know. It's, I mean, I enjoy going to talks because yeah. I feel like I, you know, like I said, I'm not really into AAA. When I go and see talks, it's I, like I do start to see a bit more like some, something interesting, like the passion that people have. Yeah. And it's just so different to what I've been working in. Like I get to see a little bit the bigger games and some cool stuff. And I kind of like that. And it, it's quite exciting. I like meeting people, but it's, yeah expensive <laughs> yes yes <laughs> even to just like a ticket is expensive yeah i i, I was lucky to get into a, a program uh called yeah. amplify new voices the year that i went but otherwise yeah i'd probably go without a ticket attend the parties <laughs> that's yeah i that's i feel like if you're going to gdc you're either going as a company or like you're going because they're paying for you to be there yeah as an indie, I don't think I don't think as an indie independent artist, unless you're like think you have something you can sell to a company, you really should just like not go to GDC. You're better yeah. off just like going to your local events. Yeah, go to the weird events. They're they're more fun anyway. Yeah, go through support your local scene. I think it's important. That's how see, the 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 unsexy thing that I've been saying that really needs people need to do is they need to spend years and years fostering an independent culture that will better support games so that like your indie game doesn't have to compete with AAA because it's a whole entirely different audience that doesn't even care that like is completely indifferent to it you know yeah it doesn't need to be like in in contrast to it or like like ah here's indies that aren't AAA because your audience isn't even thinking about them in the way that like I very rarely think about whatever whatever popular music is I do not even think about it I 
I I was thinking I was, I was in a store and I heard a song that I did not recognize singing about how truly you are actually beautiful, but I didn't <laughs> recognize the song and I was trying to think about like does one of those come along like every couple of years or so, which is like the next new song about how you don't actually know that you're truly beautiful. And it's just like those, these like similar messages, like messages that, that get recycled within pop music. Yeah. Well, as I said, there's, there's no new ideas. Yeah. So, ideas presented slightly new so, ways. There's someone at Warner music. who's was like, Oh, we need a new, you act, you're actually beautiful songs because we need because people will connect to it like instinctively yeah and then when you release it you restart the timer yeah set the, it goes up. <laughs> exactly set the beautiful clock back to start again <laughs> anyway that's a very cynical way but i don't think it's a fully wrong way of how the music industry probably works it's a real i mean the music yeah. industry for for all you want to say about Bandcamp, i don't think it's in a great spot either for independent artists so it's a real, it's a real mess. Speaking of, of places being in a real mess for independent artists, Kate, what have you got to promote? <laughs> uh, at the moment, not, not really anything. <laughs> Where could people find your stuff if they were looking for your stuff? Um, so, well, AnxietyWare, I do have a site, anxietywear.com. So go there if you want to play or uh, play it on other platforms. Although obviously I would just get in the apocalypse um yes, issue 20 that way you just like kate gets a little money yeah eventually uh, there'll be like three so. and a, three and a half pounds will come into your bank to your bank account um otherwise yeah mainly twitter is my the third kate uh i try and post screenshots sometimes when i'm doing stuff uh it's not i'm definitely still not in the the best mindset of self-promotion it doesn't come very nice. but i i try and post mainly it's like cute cat related posts at the moment so yeah. if you cute wholesome cat games that's uh that's my twitter perfect i'm i have do i still have them i may have at one point um are you familiar with the game Cat Lateral Damage? Yes. Because <laughs> um, they're local to where I am. So uh, I may have a... Um, I can't remember if we sold them all. So at one point we were going to that flea market. or So another Chris Mayer, a friend of the show, did stuff with like the Boston indie scene, I think was the... Head. I, I, see, I don't know the whole... At one point, to, my, to, the, to the best of my knowledge, is running Boston indies, but I do not keep tabs on every scene but anyway mm -hmm. he was he set up like a cool little farmer's market that would sell stuff and there were cat lateral damage laser pointers <laughs> that had the logo on the side and then you would get a key for the game as well ah, anyway, that's cool i would recommend everyone do that kind of thing where you can go to local flea markets and craft fairs if they're not too expensive and just like sell games from your local scene you know reach people that you wouldn't normally reach and like just get into art stuff. If I, I realized like um, there was someone who was like, I like, I, I had this like moment of realization of like structural, like 
noticing structural change differences in like different scenes because I I think I've like collected a, a decent amount of people that like ma- that are in Toronto making games and I noticed I'm like oh there's a person promoting stuff for like a survey for Toronto art stuff and I was like huh none of those people follow this person it's like the people fall is like I was seeing like the, like the difference between like even within local scenes like indie indie versus like you know establishment indie or whatever yeah yeah it was very weird and i'm cool kids (laughs) yeah it's it's all it's all a mess it's all like everything is disconnected and disjointed and i kind of (laughs) like being disjointed sort of kind of i don't know i don't think it needs to be once you don't need to have like power structures everywhere Sometimes a scene can just be a loose collection of people Mm. that are just like kind of intermingling and nobody needs to be the boss. Anyhow, we're going to, I'm spinning it down, spinning it down. And that's why I asked Kate for promotions. Not so that I would keep talking afterwards. (laughs) Um, There's a lot of good, I I recently saw, sorry, I I, I got distracted again. I recently saw Hellraiser and it's cool. (laughs) That's, I'm just saying, I, that, that's all I have to say. I've just seen a lot of pinheads on the timeline, as it were. <laughs> I believe someone is watching Hellraiser at the moment. Ah, what a, what a treat of a film. <laughs> anyway, I think the Cenobites are cool. I, I like them. I think they got a cool vibe. I like pleasant stuff, and I also like gross horror. I kind of when I grew up, but I became an adult and then I realized that you do not have to define yourself by a fandom. And in fact, you can like a lot of aesthetically contradictory things. And she's like, wow, life is multifaceted. <laughs> I can like cute slice of life. And I can also like this guy's skin being flayed off by a guy with pins all over his face. Anywho, <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm going to go one way or the other. Cute cat game, or I want to make something. I have a lot of Pinterest boards with base inspiration, so I can, yeah. I can get it. Maybe mix them in together. That's always good. <laughs> Do you, you, have a, you have a specific pinhead pin board at all? I Actually, I, I haven't seen Hellraiser. I must put that on my list. I had not until like two weeks ago. <laughs> but I... It's a real, real... They don't make a, uh, there's, I think there's, I, I often, anyway, stop. I'm going to stop myself before I start talking about practical effects in films and how I think they're very cool. Yeah. And that makes me seem old or something, I guess. But I think it's really cool when you can like see the space in a film and it's like, yeah, that was, I love like the, yeah, like old movie sets where it's still like, not just 100% CGI. I feel like the CGI just, it like one day you woke up and you realized, oh, every scene in every film is. Yeah. Like, it kind of just, it's like Christmas, you know, in <laughs> October you're like, oh, Christmas is, is not that far off now. And then you're suddenly, oh, Christmas is tomorrow. How did, how did that happen? It's like you saw it coming, but you are still kind of surprised by it. Right, yeah, because uh, I was, 
we we pre-gamed Fan of the Paradise watching special features, and the director was talking about how they how he had to like do specific like film specific ways because of the space they were working in, and how that inspired them to do certain shots. Because you know, if you wanted to film in a if you wanted shots of a theater, you had to find a theater. <laughs> and like film with what the theater, like the layout of the theater was and everything. And there was like, you know, Hellraiser had to use a single camera in the attic because it's an attic. You can't fit a giant camera rig inside the attic of a house, you know? And anyway, I think it's interesting. I think it's cool. But um, I like... But also, I mean, new movies can also... Turns out all art from all eras can be good or something. <laughs> That's the takeaway message of today. Yeah, all art can be good. <laughs> it doesn't matter when it was made. Sometimes I get disappointed because I feel like I make real banger tweets and they go unappreciated. <laughs> I made a real, I'm real satisfied. I'm real self satisfied about my smithereen. Have you seen smithereens? No. Oh, I really like it. It's about a real, a real piece of shit, but I love her. Because <laughs> uh, I was trying to think about like anyway. Stop. Wait, I caught myself. No, I'm gonna come to anyway. So I'm Andrew. What I do is I make a thing called Indiepocalypse. You should go to Indiepocalypse.com, buy it, make, get money. Because everyone, listen, I I announced it earlier. But in the 21 months that I've been doing this, where is, where is, I got to scroll down and find that tweet. I have to date paid out in terms of acceptance payouts, commissions, royalties, $15,513.16 USD. So it's like, you know, spread between 210 people, that's less money, or like 220 people, that's less money than it sounds like. But you know what? It's money. Money that people didn't previously have, and I think it's like you gotta, you gotta. Everyone talks about distributing wealth, but nobody wants to do it. You know, we gotta actually get down there and distribute that wealth all around. Give it to everybody. Yeah. So if you buy it, it's almost we're almost at four thousand dollars in total royalties paid out, which is like kind of a lot of money in a way. But. Anyhow, you should buy it. If you want to get a piece of that sweet cash pie, you can submit your game to IndiePocalypse.com slash submit. Um, that's, oh, if you, if you want, if the Patreon, there's always a Patreon. If you want to, you know, buy IndiePocalypse, but you're like, don't want to think about having to buy it, you know? If you just want, like, a website to take away money from you every week. You can just go to indiepocalypse.com slash Patreon and purchase it there. There's even a tier where I will mail you a copy of the zine, which I think is cool. Even all the way to the UK. which Yeah, like literally wherever you live, I will mail it to you. I have no issue with that. It's, it's a large envelope, so I can send it large envelope first class, which is the cheapest possible <laughs> mailing option. And I will send it that way. No tracking around here because, hey, what are we, millionaires around these parts? I don't think so. <laughs> uh, but anyway, I think it's cool. I, you might, 
if you're no, and if you want to hear this radio show like a week after instead of a or like three days after instead of a month after it'll be available on that patreon at a lower tier there's tiers i met someone at a convention who may draw little pictures for the tiers because i know people on patreon have like little pictures for their tiers and stuff and i was like yeah you should someone should make that i suppose because i had met them and they were anyway anyway i'm rambling again but the point is that's it <laughs> yeah the algorithm people talk about fucking algorithm i don't think about the twitter algorithm very often because i just do things chronologically <laughs> like either a yeah. sane or a mad person i'm not sure which it is but i just like to view my life chronologically I suppose I don't pay that much attention to enough to um, need to feel like I missed out on anything. Mm-hmm. Anyhow, shutting it down. <laughs> hey, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. Glad to, glad to have you. Welcome back anytime. Maybe next time I will get into my second wind of scheduling guests and there will be more of the people here. So that you can meet other people as well and really get the, the idea of that post-convention. It'd be like post-EGX, except the other people are in, you know, L.A. or Toronto or even Australia. And make weird stuff. Um, I'm all for meeting some weird stuff creators. There's, I, listen, I got weird stuff created. I got some real... <laughs> There is some real weird stuff coming up in the next issue that I just sent out the acceptance emails for yesterday. <laughs> there was like a couple of things that are more to you know more typical, more I don't want to say generic because that sounds as condescending, but more more game like. So I like I wanted to counterbalance them by putting some real weird shit in there, and there is definitely some weird stuff in there. Um, if, if you make stuff that's weird and barely think qualifies as a game in the modern game landscape, send it my way. I'll probably go, ah, yes, this is the good stuff. And I'll <laughs> wring my hands happily and go, hee-hee. love to give them money. I'm a, I like weird stuff. I'm a real. I am. It is, I am the guy. This, I've got my sicko shirt, and I'm looking in the windows everywhere and i'm going yes <laughs> or i forget what the sicko says but anyway goodbye <laughs> wait i don't have my sleepy time transition ready now i have it once again okay thank you again i'm going to find my my windows that i need i got more ram oh that's what i was that's from um i just remembered my, my my opening monologue was going to be about it's about how I can how I can replace car batteries and replace RAM, and it's about the jock nerd spectrum and how all life is on a spectrum. Well, and yeah, next time. I'll just put in a tweet. That's <laughs> <laughs> so where all things belong, where all cursed thoughts belong. Anyhow, goodbye and good night.